Hey everyone, this week's guest is Rainer Kratt, the creator of the High Performance Mind program. Now, Rainer and I are similar in certain ways, but also different in certain ways. For example, Rainer has mastered the art of reducing the amount of intrusive thoughts we have as humans on a daily basis in order to live his life to a fuller degree, meaning he can focus on his work better, he can focus on daily tasks better, and pretty much he can focus on everything better. This is something I'm still working on, but Rainer has mastered it. I'm excited to share a conversation with you guys so that you can hear all about the work that he's done, how he got there, and about his program. As always, you can find more information on Rainer and the High Performance Mind program that he created in the show notes. Enjoy! Hey, Andy, can you hear me? Hi, Rainer. Yes, I can. How are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. How are you? I am doing well. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I know we spoke just a few days ago, and I'm excited to hear what you have to share with my audience. I um, I know that you were an engineer, a tech leader, and now you're in the whole mindful world, which is so important. And you know, for for people of all ages, going through all different stages of life, being mindful is extremely important. And I only got into mindfulness, I don't know, maybe two years ago, and it's been really helpful ever since. So I'm curious if we can uh, go back and hear a little bit about how you went from being an engineer and a tech leader into the world of mindfulness before we dive even deeper into mindfulness. Yeah, sure. That's, you can definitely do that, yeah. <laughs> so I know, um, as I said, you were an engineer, a tech leader, and in 2015, you started your mindful journey. I'm curious if you can expand on what made you get into the world of mindfulness. Yeah. Well, I mean, prior to um, probably 2012, 2010, uh, I had no really idea about mindfulness, um, mindfulness activities, press work, and so on. So this was a completely uh, new topic when I got introduced to it. Yeah, I think maybe 2012 or so. And it was not something that I proactively had chosen, that I wake up in the morning and then say, oh yeah, this is cool stuff. Let's uh, explore mindfulness. It was more that based on my current workload, stress levels, and so on, that I realized I had to do something to manage stress. And then my former employer, uh, Yahoo at that point, uh, I was still working in Silicon Valley this time, they um, offered this so-called MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction class, for employees. So this was a little perk. And then I decided, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. Stress management, mindfulness, yeah, whatever. Let's, let's give it a try. And that's when I got introduced to this whole world of uh, mindfulness, being mindful. 
And then I took this class and I could see literally week by week that oh yeah, there was something there, but I really couldn't first grasp the full extent of all of this. I just realized that uh, uh, if you do these exercises on a regular basis, it's kind of helpful, uh, which was motivational in a sense to do more. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the times we all come across mindfulness after we actually needed to have it in our lives and then we start working on it, which is great. But I feel like your work now is trying to help people be mindful and go on these journeys before they desperately need it, which is the best way to do it because then you've already have these strategies in mind and you know how to work on them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the point, right? People is usually not proactively looking into it. Uh, it's more like, uh, I have to do it now. I have to do something, uh, not knowing what it is, but then someone may mention, oh, did you try to meditate or did you try some mindfulness? And then this is how people usually get uh yeah, become familiar with with the terminology, and maybe they uh, end up trying something or signing up for a class, or maybe they're doing yoga, mm -hmm. and without knowing that there is also some mindfulness component to yoga as well, yeah. and so then they get exposed. Yeah, and something I was curious about was, um, I know part of your work is talking about being present in the moment, and ways to work on negating those um, intrusive thoughts or the thoughts that you just can't get rid of and helping you become more present in the moment. And I'm curious how you stumbled upon that and what techniques you find are really helpful for that. Mm -hmm. It's multiple questions. <laughs> um, so I would say first that once you become more aware, which uh, then happened to me back in those days that all of a sudden there was an increased level of present awareness. I call it LPA, your level of present awareness. And since that one had searched or uh, yeah, significantly improved pretty much from one day to the other, I um, so you become more aware of what's actually going on around you and also inside of you and the mindfulness training was uh, helpful by pretty much uh, amplifying this experience so you could literally watch your thoughts and become aware of what's going on and then you quickly realize that oops there's a lot of thought activity <laughs> pretty much all the time what's going on but sometimes, of course, there is also uh, there's time periods with fewer thought activity. Um, and that was something that got, uh, yeah, that piqued my interest. Because uh, I figured, why is there all this thought activity all the time? What's going on? Why is this needed? Because most of the thoughts literally uh, deal with useless stuff. Um rehashing the past, planning the future. Uh, it's, most of those are useless. And then, of course, sometimes there could be occasionally a good thought that is actually helpful. Maybe something that, uh, like a little reminder to do something that is coming up 
And so, yeah, that thought is useful. The rest usually is not. And then the question was, uh, why is this happening? And I started to exploring some work, basically looking around in the community in on the web, and I stumbled into uh, Eckhart Tolle, who is a popular author, um, but also uh, he, uh, yeah, he really wrote about these topics, also lots of videos once you start digging into this, on this topic of uh, calls it the power of now, right? And some readers, uh, listeners here in this case may be familiar with that work, but uh, nevertheless, it sounded intriguing that uh, because once he started talking, it really sucked me in and I pretty much absorbed the whole book in a few hours. <laughs> and that was exactly talking about the thought activity, the the reactive uh, mind, the egoic mind, all those concepts. And then all of a sudden, all of that stuff made sense to me because now I could pretty much understood, ah, now I, now I get it. That's what, that's what is going on. And of course, the, the next question, once you got into this, then you think about, well, wouldn't it be cool to quiet the mind to get like, uh, yeah, very low thought activity. Is it even possible? And that was the problem that with uh, the work from Eckhart, but also from many other uh, spiritual teachers when they talk about thought activity, mind, and so on. Um, there is no, I mean, there's a few exercises here and there, but it's not really clear how they, whether they work effectively. And then the other question as a scientist, I always ask myself, well, how do I know, how do I know this is working for me? How do I know I make some progress here? And so the whole mindfulness, thought activity and all that stuff was way too fuzzy for me because I like, as a techie, as a scientist, I like data numbers and so on. And so I couldn't, um, yeah, I couldn't see yet how, what should I do or even how should I get started and how do I really can evaluate where I currently am. Yeah. And this was the, this was the start, something what I nowadays in the past 10 years, which I developed, which is called measurable mindfulness. Um, in combination with mind management. Mind management is also not something new. It has roots in neuroscience, but measurable mindfulness is the part where you use data and you add the dimension of data to mindfulness so that you can quantify what your level of awareness is, what your thought activity is, and so on. Negativity, the list goes on. There's a long list nowadays of what I call mind KPIs, key performance indicators. And this was helpful. Of course, it, I didn't uh, invent all of that stuff from today to tomorrow. It was more an incremental process over, over the years. And uh, so things gradually came together. And that's when I... Uh, 
made, I would say, the most progress because at that point I could start baselining these different KPIs. I could use different techniques, different methods. I could see whether a method really works or not. There's, I mean, you go to some workshops or retreats or whatever, they teach you some new stuff, but you try it out and you realize, well, it's not really making a change or sometimes, oh yeah, that is really helpful. That is uh, something that helps to get the numbers up. And then for other stuff, it's, yeah, not working at all. So forget about it. Um, and so I got with measurable mindfulness, a lot of guidance for me personally to uh, figure out how should I uh, evolve my mindfulness practice? What areas need more attention? And then most importantly, am I making progress? Right. And how did you measure your progress? As you were doing all this work, and I'm sure you were having to figure out things that weren't necessarily working and how to adjust those. So how did you sort of start to measure what was working and what wasn't working for you at least? Yeah, well, I mean, I created a list of all these KPIs, like, let's say, my level of present awareness, LPA, thoughts uh, per minute on average, right? And then level of neg negativity, to just name a few, there were 10 others. And so there is this pretty much list of all these KPIs. And then over a few weeks, I started establishing baselining in each of them. Some of them, let's say like stress levels or something, they can be uh, obtained uh, using objective data, using variable tech. Like I have this, for instance, Ura ring here and this Ura ring, which is O-U-R-A, right? Ura ring captures a lot of uh, signals from the body. For instance, your heart rate variability is one of them, but of course, sleep data and so on. And Heart rate variability immediately was very helpful because it represents your uh, indirectly as you measure your current stress levels. And I mean, one of the motivation <laughs> using uh, mindfulness practices was to lower stress levels. So yeah, it better better increases your heart rate variability or your HRV. So meaning high HRV is good for you meaning that the body compensates well, there is no more stress, negative stress going on. Um, and then on the other side, flip side, if HRV is low, then you're kind of stressed, uh, the body is not regulating well. And so that was one that you can measure using the ring. You can basically wear the ring for a few weeks, see where you are, establish a baseline. And then, of course, you have to figure out, is that now a good value? How how, uh, yeah, where am I based on that data? So to figure out what kind of level you are here, that requires a little bit of experience and digging into. But then there's all these other KPIs, like I mentioned, level of present awareness, average number of thoughts per minute, and so on. Uh, there is unfortunately no device that you can plug in <laughs> or attached to your head and then it tells you how many thoughts per minute. However, of course, some of the modern, more modern neurofeedback type of devices, they can show you based on your EEG, brainwave distribution, 
they can tell you whether the mind at least is currently in a calm state or is in a quiet state. So there is technology also available and some of that I also use in addition to tell you, let's say while you meditation, if the mind is calm or busy, so that stuff is possible. But um, for many of these KPIs I mentioned thoughts per minute, you have to do little um, exercises to calculate them and manually write them down. And so that's what I have to do. I had, I had to do in the first few weeks is sit down and do this baseline, lining many of these things manually, as I mentioned. And then uh, after then a few weeks, I could gradually see where I am. And then I could start to make incremental changes. For instance, if I would see that thoughts per minute usually gets reduced significantly during meditation, and then after meditation, it is quite low. Prior to that, it is quite high. So it's a no-brainer. You meditate. That lowers the, the thoughts per minute. Yeah. But more importantly, of course, how can you keep it down? <laughs> right. After meditate. you've done meditation. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but this is the idea, right? So you keep measuring away, and then you experiment with different approaches, different times of the day when you try some of these things. And that's when you get better and better. Right. I'm curious if in your findings there was um, a certain age group or maybe depending on the um, work that someone is doing that affects their stress and their overthinking and things like that, that mindfulness really comes in handy. Have you done any research on the age differences or teachers versus engineers, anything like that? It's all the same. I think (laughs) you can... You can be at very young age and have a very active mind. Yeah. You can be very old. You can have a very active mind. It doesn't matter. It's it's completely uh, agnostic to all these dimensions. It's more the state of yeah. How much tr- how much training did you expose your mind to during your life? Uh, formal training and the answer, unfortunately, is for many there is no formal training. There was never any formal training, but of course, there's a few occasions, there's a few people who uh, maybe did practice some mindfulness meditation sometimes. Some of them may even do it on a more regular basis. So there is a little bit of, um, like there is a small subset of people who do a little bit of Exercise and, of course, even smaller subset of more experienced uh, mindfulness, uh, uh, basically practitioners. So, but you can, I mean, in terms of percentage, I don't have concrete number here. I yeah. would say there is uh, there is probably studies out there, but around how many how many times people meditate and so on. It looks like it's still a, uh, yeah, I mean, it's increasing, that's for sure, because mindfulness itself in the past few years became a multi-billion dollar industry. And and that means there's money there. That means there are uh, more and more uh, companies offering services like new apps, techniques, uh, devices, whatever, uh, but also retreats, workshops, seminars, and so on. 
So there is a big uh, there is a big increasing market in this space. Means more and more people make use of it. But uh, I would still say the majority, uh, some of them may be uh, snacking, experimenting a little bit, and maybe trying out some exercise. Maybe they they try some yoga, or maybe they try meditation at home. Mm. They're listening to some YouTube video. Yeah. but not on a regular basis and more ad hoc. Yeah, and it's, I again, I wasn't really in, aware of mindfulness growing up, but when I was teaching preschool um, three or four years ago, I had a class that was very energetic and rambunctious, and they loved to be loud, and, and you know, we were the loudest class of the school, and something that my co-teachers and I started implementing was a daily three-minute mindfulness that, you know, session with the class. So sometimes we would just put on quiet music and we learned how to breathe in, hold our breath and then breathe out, and just ways to like calm us back down after a rambunctious, you know, playing time or something like that where we now needed to regroup and get ready to do something that required our bodies to sit still and refocus and you could see from the start of that to the end of the year that the kids were just better at also controlling themselves when it came to if they got so overexcited or if they got anxious they were just able to use those little you know helpful ways that we were implementing mindfulness in their own life and so it's pretty interesting to see okay if we start that with very young children when they get to be adults like us, they already have those strategies built in that when life becomes a little hectic or they're starting to overthink, they know how to work with that. Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense and is definitely needed. Yeah. And so your work, I know you have um, the Fellowship of the Mindful Leader, Does that just focuses on adults and what what does your fellowship entail yeah i mean uh, as most of the, the people i uh, work with uh, they are in the in their professional life they are uh, usually in tech and uh, a few years ago i figured let's build some uh, community around these topics new leadership uh, yeah mindful leadership uh, but also generally upgrading mind and body. So people want to grow, want to achieve level of mastery. And this is when I came up with the mindfultechleaders.com, which is the community, and I can probably put a link in the show notes. Okay. Um, but that was the idea. I wanted to hang out with like-minded people who also care about these topics, uh, who are already uh, yeah, in their professional career, either as an individual contributor in whatever function, but also they could be in the leadership, doesn't matter. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, all of them benefit through these type of uh, techniques, exercises, uh, but general topics on how to upgrade body and mind and so since then, this community has grown. I have there's more than four or five hundred uh, individuals now in there. Um, so that means there is some interest in these topics. But of and course, uh, yeah, and 
is of course uh, the knowledge unfortunately is uh, is not that easy to come by in terms of figuring out what is now the best way for me how do i proceed it's not clear right that's why i think my contribution here is with that data layer into kpis around mindfulness, mind management, and biohacking. I think this is the, the, I think for me, where I figured this is where I can make some contributions to give this guidance. But people usually, they are smart uh, around, especially in tech, they like usually numbers, data. Uh, for them, this is a very natural uh, dimension. And it helps them to get there. So now, instead of just randomly trying out some stuff, they can actually measure measure away and then see uh, if something works. And of course, they can share it in the community. They can get tips, mastermind, and so on. Yeah, and it's nice to have other people that are going through the, the, the same type of work regarding mindfulness, whether they're in tech or engineering, whatever their background is. They don't necessarily have to come from the same workforce but at least everyone's trying something out and they can say, this is working for me. This is not working for me. And it's nice to have that community. And it's a nice large community led by someone who knows what they're doing and has done the research and has proven what can work. Mm -hmm. so that's And so I'm curious for you personally, what are some mindful um strategies that you use every day to help you stay grounded and focused and able to do your work and enjoy life? Well, there's lots of stuff uh, over the year that uh, things were developing. Um, it's a combination of things. You have to first make sure the body is in good shape. So I take lots of different supplements, uh, make sure that uh, my body is in top shape meaning my mitochondria are functioning fully, uh, there's lots of energy. Um, magnesium is an insider tip that always works to, is usually deficient in people and they could use a little more. Uh, but those are things that I do over the course of the day just to make sure supplements, exercise, optimal sleep, fasting, some more advanced biohacking tricks and so on, keep the body in good shape. And so this whole area there. And that is a prerequisite because if the body is not in good shape, if your brain is not in good shape, then you can try to meditate as much as you want. <laughs> it's usually not, uh, yeah, you may not even be able to meditate because meditation requires that the mind usually calms down. But if there's not a sufficient level of um, resources in the body, your body may not be able to even yeah, sit still or meditate. And so that's why this is the foundation, is make sure brain and everything is optimized, they have brain has everything it needs to function optimally, and then uh, I think awareness exercises like some uh, Meditation usually is always something I add to my day, uh, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes later in the evening, sometimes in the morning. It just depends. Every day is different. So my routine is completely flexible. I, because I, I realized there's so many different uh, 
things going on every day if uh, every day might be different and so you have to have something that can be uh, fit into this individual rhythm so it's more like opportunities right if i see that my mind is quite busy um, or stressed well then let's maybe do a little bit breathing exercises uh, some of you may have heard about it an off breathing exercise so this is a this is a simple one if you if you search for it on youtube you find the video, it guides you through, right? Mm -hmm. 10 minutes, 11 minutes. Uh, it's perfect. You can do it before meditation. And then for meditation itself, uh, especially at the beginning, there is technology available like the Muse, M-U-S-E, uh, meditation headband, which uh, allows you to do something called neuro-meditation so that the meditation is monitored. Your EEG brainwaves are monitored and it gives you real-time feedback. So this is especially helpful in the beginning to see how long does it take for the mind to calm down. Right? And especially if the mind is busy, you may need 10, 15 minutes before you even get into a calm zone or you may never reach it. And that's and that's very fascinating to figure out how long and then also once you implement practices, doing it again and again and seeing that change of how long it takes your brain to calm down. Yeah. It's is an yeah. interesting thing, yeah. Yeah, and it's different every day, depending on the context, circumstances, time of the day and so on. So this is something you do for many weeks and gradually you may see some patterns in there and then that lets you optimize it. But later on, once the, the mind is more drained, uh, you, need, you don't need some of the devices anymore. You can just sit back, meditate, whatever position or style you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, of course, sometimes it's still interesting to measure again and see where you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, I think the key here is there is a plethora of different techniques, tools, exercises in each of these areas. You pick something and then you figure out how you can squeeze it into your busy day and what works for you, right? And then you try to ideally for all of them find out some metric how to assess uh, progress, right? Because you may do some completely useless stuff that's not working, but you think it's cool, but... <laughs> If there's no number, then why do it, right? It's right. Uh, it's a waste of time, right? right? And that's where the data comes in handy, right? But there are people who are not simply not into numbers and not into data. Um, for them, unfortunately, there is no good tip I can provide. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, some of them, they just say, oh, yeah, data is not for me, or I'm not a data person. They won't do everything based on feeling, intuition. Yeah, of course, if you're like a Zen master and you have, I don't know, 40,000 hours of meditation and you're in good shape, yeah, you can talk about that like this, right? Right. But, but usually a person completely inexperienced doing a few casual meditations here and there and tell me about that stuff, it's not going to work. I mean, it's basically very random, ad hoc. 
And of course, it may deliver here and there some results, but it's nothing where you can really build on. It's just uh, random stuff, right? And but it work it it works for those type of people, mm -hmm. right? They they're still happy about it, but um, it's hard. Then at that point, if you really want to achieve level of mastery, then this is not a route I recommend. Right, and and to understand that it's a process, and it you know, it's not a fast fix it's something that you're no, going to work yeah. on so it's yeah. not you know you meditate once and things are perfect and also yeah. what works one day if you're more stressed on a different day that's when you might have to use one of the different strategies in your tool belt to help you navigate that so yeah. like people need to understand that too yeah and so your your fellowship of mindful leader program how talk me through how that works if someone wants to sign up and obviously the, it'll be in the show notes for people to look at. Yeah, I mean, it's very straightforward. Dot, 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 uh, dot mindfultechleaders.com. And uh, you basically sign up there. It's free. And then you get going and explore the platform, see what resources are there, connect with others. Uh, and then, yeah, see how you can contribute. Of course, uh, there's no limits. And uh, this is a good starting point, I would say, for people into this data stuff. Uh, that's why tech, you know, mindful tech leaders, there is this techy component in there. But of course, if you uh, don't have to be completely in tech, but it's, it's usually there is this tech industry, people in tech, uh, there is a few similarities here. That's why I focused it a little bit um, to not make it too broad, but give it this particular flavor. Right? So sign up is easy. Uh, there's lots, plenty of resources, and uh, yeah, let's just see what resonates with you. Awesome. Well, Rainer, thank you taking thank you for taking time out of your day to come chat with me. This was really interesting, and I'm sure people are going to sign up because mindfulness is extremely important, especially with all the hustle and bustle and stress we all have. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me here on the show. Of course. And is there anything that we didn't touch on that you might be wanting to share with anyone? Well, yeah, I mean, there are obviously uh, when people want to get more serious, right? And they want to, uh, they say, well, yeah, of course, it sounds great. I really want to... Uh, upgrade my awareness, I want to upgrade the mind, the body, and so on. Um, there are a few suggestions that I made here, right? But there, there is, I mean, over the past two or three years, I figured out a very structured, structured, effective way to get there, and this is called the high-performance mind. Mm -hmm. And the high-performance mindset is a program that I developed with this motivation so that, that uh, people who are really interested and on advancing and they like data and they like numbers so that they can do that in a very systematic way within three months. And so High Performance Mind is a program that I think I encourage people to uh, check out. There's the landing page on the, the mindfulleader.net mm -hmm. and you can read through this, see if this uh, also resonates with you. Um, it's this type of shortcut. Right. right. So when 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 I uh, in ten years ago, twelve years ago, uh, looking back, there was nothing like this. 
right? I always wished, isn't there something like not just like, I mean, ideally you, you basically take a pill and you're done, right? <laughs> but unfortunately that is probably still a little bit uh, far further out. Maybe it will be available in, in some future laws. But I always wish there is something you can do that and then you go through those steps you know, and then eventually you get these type of results. And this basically is this high performance mind program. It, it works because it's based on data. You can measure the beginning and you go through it and toward the end. And you can see these results, how they are going up and the type of breakthroughs that you're getting out. Yeah. And so it took a little bit of time to iterate and to get to uh, to pretty much improve this program. The more participants who went through it, there was a lot of learnings. They basically got back as feedback into the process. And nowadays it's uh, very solid and optimized. So you can upgrade and <laughs> don't have to spend like myself years of dabbling around and doing random stuff. Um, you do it like quickly and get it over with and of course after that the journey is not over but you are at this point you have a pretty good foundation yeah. on how you can further evolve yourself and you seem i mean this is a zoom so i i clearly don't know you in person but you do have a very calm demeanor was it were you always that way or that started once you did the mindful work yeah, it's hard to tell, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think prior to that, I was also in a more calm state, but uh, sometimes, uh, yeah, the, the mind was just taking over. I got so, so busy, um, which nowadays uh, is definitely much different. Like uh, nowadays, uh, there are here and there, there is thought activity comes up, over the course of the day, but usually I become aware of it and then it goes down again. And so the sweet spot is less than two thoughts per minute. That is a, is a spot where you can chill okay. and relax, uh, but typically people not have, having not trained the mind, we're talking about 10, 15 thoughts per minute on average. So that is... Yeah, yeah, that's quite a different number, right? But this is where the stress comes from, right? right? So I think once you do the training over time, these numbers improve, and then, yeah, you look kind of chilled as well if you go through those, right, and calm the mind, and I think then life looks a little bit, yeah, more enjoyable, I would say. It sounds more enjoyable. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you also just have more time to appreciate what's around you and and not be stuck thinking about 20 different things. And as you're saying, being present is pretty important. And again, it's hard work, but it's rewarding and it's important for for everyone. Yeah, I can, I can definitely recommend it's worth it. So if someone is considering, should I do anything in this direction or is it, yeah, is it worth my time? I would definitely say, yes, it is. If you are ready to also do the work, it's, there's no free lunch. It's definitely work, right? Yeah. Awesome. Well, Rainer, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this was amazing and a great way to start my day. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. 
and we'll keep in touch. Yeah, thanks. We'll keep in touch. All right. Enjoy your day. Yeah. Bye. Bye.